this is Paul McGann, and you're listening to the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast. Changes as we continue all the way to episode 425 of the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast in the... In December 1973, Gordon Fletcher wrote this for Rolling Stone. Rumor has it that Queen shall soon be crowned the new Led Zeppelin, which is an event that would certainly suit this observer just fine. There's no doubt that this funky, energetic English quartet has all the tools they'll need to lay claim to the Zepp's abdicated heavy metal throne, and beyond that to become a truly influential force in the rock world. Their debut album is superb. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Five-ish Fangirls Podcast. So glad you could join us as we're all struggling. Mm-hmm. Let's go around the virtual table and see who's joined us this week. This is Chrissy in Salt Lake City. This is Sally from Wisconsin. This is Rachel in Indianapolis, India. It's more like see who's still awake around the virtual table. Uh-huh. Not yeah. who's yes. joined us. Who's still upright? Uh, <laughs> and it, this has nothing. This is not a. This is not cast anything negative on our topic at hand. No, nope. we're just tired. Yes, <laughs> just yes. life. Life is mm-hmm. life. Is you hard and yeah, mm-hmm. lay down and nobody and nobody wakes you up or you know bothers you for more for five minutes. You just are like, I'm out. Yeah, you reach. Yeah, mm-hmm. you reach a certain age and certain station in life and you're just kind of like I, I need i just need to rest my eyes for a few minutes and before you know it it's 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 6 30 yeah or whatever yeah. yeah holy crap i need to be doing stuff <laughs> yep but hopefully our musings upon one of our are the the other fab four mm-hmm. yes. from england mm-hmm. will, will, will keep us awake Yep. Oh, first up, the news. Not a whole lot of news, but my wallet is already crying. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am going to have to jump on this. Uh, so I'm sure there's a tear in there somewhere that won't make my wallet cry too much. But uh, Boom Studios yes. has announced that my they wallet's are... going to be crying with you, Rachel. Yeah, <laughs> are launching a Kickstarter for what is going to be, uh, at the who knows what else they're going to include, but yes, a graphic novel series. It sounds like it's going to be more than one of Jim Henson's Labyrinth. So, yep, like this yep. is going to be fun. Yep, I've already yep. had Kickstarter. Please alert me when this goes on sale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, as we're recording this, is tomorrow. So. Ooh, boy, okay. <laughs> yeah. At least the Kickstarter starts tomorrow. So, right. and and you know, as Kickstarters go, there there will be several weeks where you can jump in on this, and even after they, and then there'll be stretch goals and, and yep, I'm, yep. I'm sure that I'm sure it'll fund quickly. Yep. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the beauty. So. That's the beauty of Kickstarter is just. Mm-hmm. 
Well, at, at Boom Studios, they mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they already have um, the comic series for Fraggle Rock. <laughs> so <laughs> now was Boom did Boom do the earlier Jareth ones, the non manga? Or am I thinking uh, of a different studio? I sh- uh, that might be different because I don't see it on Boom's website. Okay. So. Let's see. I'm going to look that up. Oh, yes. Um, no, they did. Sorry. You're right. Okay. There oh. it is. The animation yeah. oh, style. Art yeah, they've done the, the, yeah. They've done they've done Labyrinth and they've done the Dark Crystal and even Jim Henson's the storyteller. They, they are the ones who do the Power Rangers comics. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Firefly. So yeah, they they're they're not um, they're not they're, newbies. They're, no, they're, <laughs> they're not slouches when it comes to storytelling and great artwork and yep. all that good stuff. So yep. So yeah, and I I forgot I, I I didn't pay attention to who released it. I have read the the labyrinth so yeah the the coronation yeah uh, comics yeah. yeah but i am i just i just didn't pay attention who story. yeah <laughs> give me give me give me yep give me all the things yes there are some, there are some grabby hands over here mm-hmm. yes i mean at least this way we are still able to get jareth in the <clears throat> david bowie form I mean, yes. I know they're talking about doing another movie, but it's just like, mm, yeah. nope, nope. Uh, yeah, I Come think, I, I, please. I think, I think the movie it was is a one and done, especially after um, you know, the unfortunate passing of David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like honestly, who could be, who could they recast for that role? I, nobody. 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 <laughs> I, I, don't think... I mean, unless they would cast Adam Lambert as some offshoot <laughs> cousin, <laughs> cousin or that nephew. Would be, that would be taking over. that. That would be the 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 stunted line of the tree that nobody ever talks about. Yes. Yeah. So so let's just let's just leave that one alone. And, yes. and comics <laughs> comics are great. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the only one I could think of. You know. Push come I mean, to shove. I mean, of all the franchises they tried to to resurrect from the eighties and have kind of not gone yeah. over well, they've left Labyrinth alone and they've left Back to the Future alone. So and let... I'm hoping they leave Highlander alone because I mean I know there's been talks, but Mm-mm. no touchy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like this is it's just some stuff. It's like just I mean. I mean, they tried to to float the idea of remaking Princess Bride, and that was that was roundly <laughs> shot <Hello>. down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just there's just some things you just just don't mess with. If you do that, we ride at dawn with pitchforks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but you know, like I said, let's do let's do let's keep it to comics, and and mm-hmm. we'll be good. That mm-hmm. will be just fine. Yep. Um, so that's this this will be fun. Yeah. That's uh 
really kind of it for the news, although we do have some housekeeping. We have a new episode of Gold Standard in the feeds with episode 80, <laughs> as crazy mm-hmm. as that is, with uh, No Country for Old Men. So it was an interesting discussion, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> when are those dis- when are the gold standard discussions not interesting? I just that's like true. Time, mm-hmm. That is every true. time one comes up, and you're just kind of like, and this was a movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with with a couple of exceptions, but not yeah, many. yeah. For the most part, we usually find something to uh, grab onto to make it so that it's just not like this was a movie and it was okay so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so. Yep. so there is uh, that yep wherever you find the podcasts mm-hmm. yep. um and then good chunk of the reason why i'm so tired <laughs> <laughs> is i'm coming off of a con so um i had in conjunction this past weekend here in indy which is always a fun convention i mean it's um on the on the smaller side um which there's nothing nothing wrong with that um and it's uh definitely more uh panel uh forward um and you know they do have you know guests of honor but it's not celebrity focused by by any means um so um but yeah i had a a lot of fun i had a, a, a table in the the vendor hall um which at the very least it's always have it's always nice to have a place where you can just kind of keep your stuff uh <laughs> absolutely yeah so but in this case uh we were in a a different hotel than we normally are in um but thankfully this is a hotel that i am somewhat familiar with because i've been to other events uh, at this location um but the um unfortunately that the the wyndham that particular hotel is on the older side and really could use some renovations, but uh, yeah, that's not for me to spend money on. Um, but I'm it's sure get around to it. Yeah, uh, but it's it's an interesting layout, and because of it, some of the rooms aren't as big as what you'd expect so unfortunately we're we're, they're not able to fit all of the vendors in one room so they almost had a separated vendors in one room and then like authors and um like uh the the there were people there from VoltCon. there were people there from starbase indie um the art guest of honor the author guest of honor um they were all over there so we were kind of separated so uh it made it a little harder for uh 
to to talk and catch up with familiar faces um because you had to kind of leave the area you were in and go to a completely different area Um, if you do if you do have to split it up that's not a bad way to do it yeah i mean it's not ideal but yeah and and it's yeah and and the way it was you know the the um the number of like authors versus other types of vendors that we still had authors in our area just because because this is a very literary focused uh convention um it it started with a bunch of book nerds that just kind of wanted to get together and talk about their favorite science fiction and fantasy books that they were reading and writing uh so and that's kind of how the best things start mm -hmm. yeah that being said, I had the best booth placement. Yes, you sure did. <laughs> I didn't know that going into it, no. uh, but I was I was right next to the uh, vendor um, like operations table, uh, so the vendors could cut. You know, that's where they check in and get their badges and find out where they're placed, and that's where they get asked questions. So you know, it was manned the entire time. Um, but uh, the uh, it was mostly manned by the uh, teenagers of some of the con staff. <laughs> Have a child, you get free labor. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, it's like but, you, want, you want to borrow the car tonight you got to come help me with this yeah yeah uh but one of the the con staff um was use using their space as uh temp uh often on puppy sitting <laughs> location because <laughs> she had her two dogs uh-huh. with, she had her two dogs with her and so they weren't stuck up in her hotel room the entire time and since she was constantly moving they couldn't necessarily stay with her so they built a little pen and uh you know put down some plastic and some potty pads and their beds and their water bowls and stuff and so that became the the puppy area which is really funny because then anytime somebody walked in the door one of the girls would be like welcome would you like to pet a puppy (laughs) yeah like you know come in pet a puppy and then you'll be so full of endorphins you'll want to spend all your money Mm -hmm. um uh yeah so that was a scout and archer they are um i I don't know what the pro yeah what the the nickname is but they're um Malt, they're uh, and Yorkie. Oh, Maltese Yorkie. Yeah, they're Maltese Yorkies. Uh, so, um, but they're real. They're really cute. Um, Scout, bit more adventurous and friendly <laughs> than Archer. Um, at one point, Archer, while being held and getting cuddles gave both the person holding him and me because i was right there this look that if looks could kill i would have been dead on friday so uh, (laughs) how dare you disturb my nap pretty much that's pretty much what it was archer was perfectly comfy where he was and how dare you pick me up (laughs) like 
Yeah. I know I'm adorable, but no one. Yes. Your punishment is belly rubs. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, And then at one point, we also had Rosie, who belongs to another one of the con staff, who she is um, uh, some sort of chihuahua mix who looks like she's about five million years old. Um, (laughs) She only has two teeth uh, left. (laughs) So uh sweet Mm -hmm. uh but she she was old um and uh you know just kind of wanted to just hang out Mm -hmm. um and be an old lady um Mm -hmm. and then the people are in the booth on the other side of me so i was sandwiched uh they had their service dog the the wife's service dog who this was her the dog's first time uh working you know as going to a convention so she's still very much training um mm-hmm. trying to trying to figure out but her name is cupcake oh and she's a golden corgi oh so she's golden she's a golden retriever trapped in a corgi's body oh, and she goodness. was the <laughs> sweetest thing ever <laughs> I was like, I don't take my corgi fix even if it's only half. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, she really is. She, it's, it's, this is the way it is with most corgi mixes. Really, they just look like whatever the non-corgi is with mm-hmm. really short legs. <laughs> is usually how it turns out. So in this case, she looked mm-hmm. like a golden retriever with really short legs, and she had the golden retriever hair. So she was so soft. She could have been Aww, in a Pantene commercial. Uh, <laughs> but she was just the sweetest mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and then there are a few other people I saw with dogs, because um, mm-hmm. the hotel itself is is dog friendly. So that that's partially it. Um, so although one of the other i didn't get any pictures of rosie i did get a few pictures of skip or skippy i can't remember if it's just skip or skippy who um was in the doctor who room at the same time i was in there so um so yeah but there were there were a lot i got a dog fix i was getting my dog fix (laughs) all weekend and it made me very happy (laughs) that's always a bonus yeah yes I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain there. Um so that being said, uh the, the three panels which I talked about uh last week, uh from what I can tell from the, the feedback I got from people that they went really well and they really Yay. enjoyed them. So that's good. Um I have audio from the library one and the lost women authors of sci-fi although i've not listened to the audio yet i don't know how good it is because the acoustics in the room were kind of awful and we didn't have much in the way of av equipment (laughs) so we just kind of had to rely on what we had um so um i will give that a listen and if any of it's salvageable i will edit it into something and probably post it on youtube um so we'll see um but yeah all all three panels seem to go over really well um so that is good um and of course i uh 
two of the three were brand new first time presenting to the public so uh of course i'm like okay i'm gonna make some tweaks here and some tweaks there and i was even making tweaks before i did the panels <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at my table with my laptop out it was in powerpoint making slight changes <laughs> I'm like i gotta stop doing this <laughs> So, um, I can't help it. I get ideas at random spots at random times, and sometimes they're not the most convenient. So, um, and then, um, of course, we had another bundle of games to raffle off. Um, so, um, we ended up, uh, doing the, the giveaway on Sunday. Um, and once again, to make sure that uh, the drawing, the ticket drawing was impartial and nobody could cl claim I was making favorites because I knew some of the people that bought tickets, um, Cupcake picked the winning ticket. <laughs> Good job, so, Cupcake. Yes. Yep. So if anyone has issues with why their ticket didn't get pulled, you can take it up with Cupcake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she'll give so con consolation kisses. Yes. Say, <laughs> and her response to your argument may just be to lick you to death. So, mm -hmm. be prepared. Um, but yeah, and the it seemed to to uh, go over well. It's really funny because I I when the you know when I got the the games from the different companies and was divvying them out, trying to decide which one would be best for each event um and um i decided uh that some of them made the most sense for the audience at incon junction and i was right because i don't know how many times when people were looking at the bundle would be like oh i love poetry for neanderthals <laughs> i love that game Which in poetry through Neanderthals, apparently there is a um, inflatable like club, uh -huh. like what you say, like a you know the stereotypical wooden club you would see for with cavemen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is that you blow it up and you hit people with it. And that's part of the game, which is probably why so many people love poetry for the Neanderthals. <laughs> so. You get to bong people on the head. Hey, you get to bong people on the head. Um. <laughs> So yeah, it had poetry for Neanderthals, um, really loud librarians. I thought that was appropriate as well. A <laughs> tiny set of cards against humanity. Um <laughs> and uh business walrus. <laughs> Where you come up with your best business idea and then you pitch it to the business walrus. So. All right. Uh so yeah. Um that was uh fun as always. Um and then I managed to go 90% of this entire convention without buying a single thing. Wow. <laughs> and then like the last hour I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> your your 
your co- your convention sense was going, Rachel, you haven't spent money. We gotta go nuts. Apparently. <laughs> so Well, first your off constitution I, saving throw did not Yeah. Go I mean well. I did spend five dollars on raffle tickets uh for the uh the Doctor Who uh club that um has a presence every every year um they've got a, a room designate, designated just for them where they show up as a doctor who and torchwood and other things tangentially related to doctor who and they always have a raffle of goodies a whole bunch of lots usually um to to help raise money for to keep the club going because then they have a, a a club picnic every year so that helps pay for that um but um they had a couple of lots that included uh six doctor a six doctor dvd so you know if i'm gonna put my ticket in in anywhere it's gonna be where there's six doctor stuff so uh-huh which i ended up i ended up winning one of them so i got I got a, a copy of Revelation of the Daleks. Ooh, good one. DVD. So not that I need it because I have the Colin Baker years, like fancy box sets. <laughs> but, you know, I got to make sure all six Doctor Media goes to a good home that's really going to appreciate it. Uh-huh. Well, yes. And, you so, know, sometimes you need backups in case yeah. people are like, hey, um, hey I want to watch that one. Can I borrow it? Yeah. yeah. Library and, copy you know, here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the library copy. <laughs> yeah. And and really that's the only the only thing in the lot that I really cared about. Although I did end up getting a copy of Franny and Zoe by JD Salinger. Hmm. Okay. No idea. Interesting. So I guess we'll we'll see. I've never actually read Salinger, so not even Catcher in the Rye, so <laughs> we shall see. Uh, there's a kind of graphic comic, comic book called The Glass Tomb by hmm. Terry Moore. Hmm. Oh, I have no idea, so I'll have to read read that um and there's a magazine in here for uh it's the hollywood spotlight the ultimate guide to ted lasso oh nice (laughs) cool which i've not watched but now that i'm watching soccer i feel like i probably should it's good rachel it is good yeah and then this is so funny I own a copy of Whose Boat Is This Boat? <laughs> Comments that don't help in the aftermath of a hurricane. <laughs> that, that is quite the title. Yeah. It's, it, was, it was uh, a, a fundraiser done by Stephen Colbert in the late, in the late show after Hurricane Florence. Ah. Uh. That makes sense. So, mm-hmm. yep. But it it all contain it's comprised solely of quotes from the um the uh the guy who was president at the time, <laughs> whose name will not be mentioned. <laughs> the fear of the feds. Uh, 
Oh boy. So I was in it for the Six Doctor DVD. So. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then I did buy a piece of art from the art show because I'm art trash, um, <laughs> which all of the art in the art show was all done by either current, uh, sometimes they're, uh, the artists, like the, um, the art guest of honor that year. Sometimes it's, uh, some of its past guests, arts, art guests of honor, man, I cannot speak. Um, sometimes it's art just by fans, people who attend in conjunction on the regular, or maybe they're on the board or stuff like that. Um, so, but, uh, I picked up this, um, print from Betsy Mott. I have to look and see, because I believe she's been an art guest of honor, but I have to see what year. But anyway, it's Sarah and jareth from the ballroom scenes in labyrinth so oh then i picked up a couple books um so um and i've seen this guy at several other cons and finally i was like okay i'm gonna buy your book and then he's like no i've got a sequel now i'm like okay well, i'll buy the sequel too <laughs> um actually it's a sequel slash prequel so he said, once you, you read the first one and then you read the second one. And if you go back and read the first one again, you'll be like, oh, that's that thing. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it helps fill in some gaps. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to think like, how would that work? Okay. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Doctor Who, you know, we're a little wobbly. Well, well, true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the author's Benjamin O'Neill. And the first book is called The Serpent's Gift, and then the second one is called Rise of the Fallen. But the uh, essentially the plot of the first novel is that heaven and hell are actually planets. Okay. And Earth is the uh, the the basis for a battleground between heaven and hell. So. But they're planets instead of an Earth turns out to be one of the most important planets in the galaxy. So and there's the idea so. that maybe hell isn't as bad as you think, and maybe heaven is not as, as good as you think. Kind of good omens-esque. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what sold me. Is it's like heaven and hell aren't necessarily the the uh the be you know, the the labels that uh people have labeled them with. So Interesting. So I will give that a read. So it'll come in handy when I go camping in a couple of weeks and I don't have <laughs> internet and hardly any cell phone signal. So well, yes, take take lots of reading material. Yep. And you know, load up yep. your Kindle if if you have. I'm sure you do. Mm, I did. I gave oh, it to Chauncey. Oh well. <sighs> But it's all good so yeah i had i had fun it's it's in conjunction it's very laid back um although even then there were a few times where i'm like i can't be in 12 places at once even though i want to be <laughs> um 
that's not their problem. That's mine. <laughs> really. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It's always a, a fun little con. Um, and um, they're always taking suggestions for programming and guests of honor. So if any of our listeners know anyone that's like a really cool author um, or artist um, and thinks that they may be a, a good guest um, at, at In Conjunction, then send them an email. Go to the website, send them an email. So, um, yeah, I look forward to uh, to next year. And I, I already told them, I was like, if we do the same booth layout next year, I want to be in the same spot. It's like I want to be next to the doggos again. <laughs> I put, I put, I put that on my my post post convention survey. <laughs> like I would like to be in the same spot, please. <laughs> I even I told one of the staff where she asked, she's like, she's like, how's your how's your booth? Like, is it is it good? I'm like, yeah. Can I be here next year? She's like, yes. I will make a note. <laughs> so like, thank I would you. like to be here. I would like to be here permanently next to the puppies. Yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I I will be their biggest cheerleading cheer mm -hmm. squad over here, and yep. I will totally watch the puppies if if mm -hmm. need be. Yes, I'll take one for the team. Yep. And can Cupcake be right next to us again, please? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! So can I at least request fun. the same setup for <laughs> you mm -hmm. people, please? Yep. <laughs> but can we just repeat this again? next year please so hopefully next year we won't have a day saturday which usually is your busiest con day won't be dot cat not literal cats and dogs but raining cats and dogs just an absolute deluge it was awful um which i think turned uh kept some people away just because oh, like the yeah. last month or the last month or so every time that the Indianapolis area has gotten rain. It's usually not just been rain. It's been like bad, you know, it's like tornado type weather. In some cases we did get tornadoes, but you know, it's thunder and lightning and power going out or power flickering. So like, I'm not surprised that we had a day where it was like that. And people were maybe like, I'm not going to go outside. I'm not leaving no, my I'm house. Yeah. <laughs> so. No. I, I hopefully could, I could that would be an issue yeah yeah i mean it was it was it was raining and thundering and lightning really heavily when i left my house saturday morning and i was mm -hmm. looking a little bit like a, a a drowned rat by the by the time that i got to my car so but you gotta do what well, you gotta do yeah glad you made it through it without major incident yes yeah, so the rain I can handle, but the thunder, the thunder and light. I swear it thundered at one point. I I thought I heard, I felt felt the floor shake. So oh fun, like, yeah, that could have been just in my head. I don't know, but anyway, in conjunction, easy enough to plan ahead for because it's always the weekend closest to the Fourth of July. That's the first full weekend in July, usually. So, and 
I guess we'll find out if it's going to stay in its new location or probably more than likely. So, and maybe by next year, the construction will be done. <laughs> Not likely. Oh. Anyway, that's a rant for another time. <laughs> oh, construction. Yep. That is that is a uh, that is a soapbox rant for another time. So let's do feedback. Let some other people give their opinions on things. Uh, of course, we got some feedback from Shalane. She said, first Comic Con guests, I've seen mostly all of Don Blue's films, and here are the films he did." In order, Secret of Nim, American Tale, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Rockadoodle, Thumbelina, Troll in Central Park, The Pebble and the Penguin, and Anastasia and Titan AE. So she says, I think this is the first time Fan X has gotten a director for a guest. I don't know. That I that I am aware of. Like like it's not, you know, a director, actor, director type of thing, but yeah, yeah. I think well, and I think because Don Bluth is such a big a big deal also he is pretty local, local to yeah. us so that's the it's an easy get and it's like huh <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. but i i already i already guessed about that last week I'm just like, so. Mm-hmm. so yeah but uh, yeah to my knowledge i think i think she's right this is probably the first time it's like they specifically it's a director yeah directors are not usually where they're they're known for being directors like you said there's some active directors mm-hmm. out there but some people their their bread and butter is being a director they're not mm-hmm. ones you usually see at comic conventions it's like when i got right. to meet sam raimi I'm like this yeah. is kind of weird but cool all at the same time yeah <laughs> so well, and, it's like and i mean i don't want to speak for all directors because i honestly don't know but i kind of wonder if like they're more of a hey I'm behind the camera for a reason sort of thing and they're not mm-hmm. really because you know actors are like I am performing darling sort of a thing but yeah directors are probably like eh, it's not that they don't like the fans but it's like maybe they're not really and, 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 and like for the most part who knows what a, you know what directors look like you know them by by name probably or their style but mm-hmm. unless they're like really big like a you know Steven Spielberg or or James Cameron or something like that. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, uh, now, I know I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. But yeah. I wonder if that's just the case. Yeah, maybe. And that's fine. Yep. Uh, she says, I believe there's going to be a lots of Anastasia cosplays. <laughs> Might be. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. So also, Don Bluth used to work for Disney. He did. And he attended he college did. in Utah. He's he's from here originally. Yep. Yep. Oh, uh, and she says I've also met uh, James Oliver Phelps at my first Comic Con when Chris Evans was there. Probably because all the crowds were like, "Oh my God, Captain America!" <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yep. Uh, it says, look, looks like this year, Phoenix is going to be Back to the Future, Saved by the Bell, Star Wars, or Trek, Twisted Tunes, DC, and Marvel events, like always. There's nothing wrong with that. Also, they announced Janet Varney. She's the voice of Korra from the sequel of Avatar The Last Airbender. Some of the guests have been to Fanex more than once. Hey, if it's a good event, why not? Yeah. 
Uh, says also, I think Don Bluth and Christopher Lloyd will be reunited since Anastasia. Who knows if they've seen each other since? Uh, I think they have the voice of Demetri Fanex one time, plus Nick Carter's the brother of the late Aaron Carter. Nick Carter has been on The Masked Singer. Yes, he has. Now going back to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's kind of funny. This is both Disney and Warner Bros. mixed, but it's mostly done by Disney's adult studio touchstone this movie used to scare scare me when i was a kid because yes all movies from the 80s that were kids movies were scary until the little mermaid came around i don't know ursula getting punctured by that boat kind of a little scary if you ask me yes uh, mm-hmm. yes but yeah a lot, of, a lot of 80s movies kids were tough back then man yeah and i think you kind of had to be uh, yeah i mean Elena, have you watched? Have you watched American Tale lately? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never-ending story. <laughs> yeah. Land Before Time. Yeah. I, love, yeah. I really love uh-huh. Land Before Time, even with the scary parts. Uh-huh. It's so great. It's like it's like it's it's that that idea. It's like you know, as long as there's a happy ending, you can show kids. You know, it can it can be scary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, I'm trying not to re-traumatize myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen the late Bob Hoskins in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Super Mario Brothers, Hook, Balto, Christmas Carol, Jim Carrey, Made in Manhattan. Oh, I remember going I on the Roger Rabbit ride on my first trip to Disneyland. Good. Going back to Don Bluth, who terrorized us. <laughs> I read the little girl who played Ducky and Liam before time, and Amory and All Dogs Go to Heaven passed away before All Dogs Go to Heaven was released. Uh, that terrorized. She's trying to say that terrorized me then, and when I watch uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven now. All dogs, All Dogs Go to Heaven. I can't. It terrorizes me. It, it terrorizes me and makes me sad because I'm such. I have such a soft spot for dogs. Right. Same here. Right. Yep. But I mean, it tries. It tries to you know rightfully kind of make it a little better. It's like, hey, you know, good dogs. Mm-hmm. They go. They you know, dogs go to heaven and it's okay. But at the same time, it's like, but I don't want my dog to go Mm-mm. at all. No. Stay here. Stay With here me. and be my be my pooch. Yes. So. Or yeah. the so only like, time you, you can know. go is when I go. <laughs> we right? go together. <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna walk up to Saint Peter and I'm gonna introduce you and he's gonna give you scritches and he's gonna let us in. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's how it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I said uh see she says now last time when I said Top Gun Maverick is not a popcorn flick, uh, that's only rom-coms and you explain what popcorn flicks are then i was like okay that's what popcorn that's what popcorn flicks are uh-huh. I, I mean i'm sure that you know people could probably argue about what is a popcorn flick and what is not but generally mm-hmm. at least in my humble opinion popcorn flicks are they're they're just not that deep they don't make right. you, you don't have to think a whole lot you can just kind of sit there and eat your popcorn and you're going to be entertained and at the end it's of the movie, more, you're just going to be like, that was fun. Yes. Yeah, it's what the summer blockbuster is kind of supposed to be. 
So it's mm-hmm. not really a, a genre per se. It's just like, hey, this is fun. We're enjoying ourselves. It's not like thought provoking or anything. It's entertaining. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we come to the movie theater for a couple hours, you know, just to have some fun. Mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. despite what Nicole Kidman might say about heartbreak yeah. <laughs> well whatever yeah it's like well you know if you're looking at like what's the, the movie's about to come out Barbie probably going to be a popcorn flick Oppenheimer yep. which opens the same weekend not going to be a popcorn flick no <laughs> so nah. if, that, if that gives you any idea <laughs> so. yeah <laughs> most most Christopher Nolan films, you really got to pay attention. I mean, yeah, even the Batman, Batman, yeah, even the Batman yeah. movies, you still kind of had to be like, if anything okay, else, for the performance. If... Yes, that too. Yeah, but yeah, especially with Dark do... Knight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, well. there's a there's a YouTuber that I follow that uh, he he uh, lost a bet and his his. Uh, punishment is he has to dress up as Ken and go see the Barbie movie and he's oh, like well boy. I'm going to make it a double feature because I want to see Oppenheimer as well so he's going to go to Oppenheimer dressed up as Ken and then go see the Barbie movie or what you know, <laughs> or the other <laughs> just like, you, I you, see, it's I like see, pick pick please yeah I've seen the mashup of a movie poster at floating around on a Barbieheimer. Barbieheimer, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's like they're they're well aware of just how two distinctly different movies are opening the same weekend. Yeah. And the the the, the uh, respective casts are having fun because uh, like Margot Robbie posted a picture of herself with. Uh, one of the other girls that's in the Barbie movie in front of a poster for Oppenheimer with their tickets saying, you know, <laughs> we, we got our tickets we're ready to go see Oppenheimer when it's released and then in response um, it's Robert Downey Jr. and I can't remember who the other person is standing in front of the Barbie movie poster with their tickets for Barbie <laughs> so, I mean, it's not supportive supportive of each other. So, yeah. I mean, it's not unusual for, you know, movies to kind of counter each other. So, like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, there's the, there's the, the, the action, the action flick with a lot of violence and gore and whatever. And then the opposite is, you know, the animated family movie or the rom com Mm -hmm. or something else. It's just these two are just so diametrically opposite and i don't think there's anything else of note coming out that day so it's these two big yeah movies this is it's funny i actually yeah. guess because i'm not really like i played with barbies but i'm like eh, I'm, I'm not sure if i want to go see the barbie movie because i'm like I, this isn't really for like if you you know i don't know Bar- barbie barbie was five when i was a kid but and mm-hmm. If I watch, I mean, I, I like I like Christopher Nolan movies fine, but I'm like I can only watch them once, and then my brain is dead. Mm. Nope, I don't know that this is one I'm I'm interested. But it is funny to watch all the all the back and forth with the cast and other people just telling jokes and memes and stuff. It's it's very wholesome fun, honestly, mm-hmm. which is what I like about it. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, she says, "I think I remember you girls said that Black Widow was a popcorn flick, or was that Fantastic Beast?" 
Probably both, actually. <laughs> uh, she says, I looked up when freeways were invented around the 1950s. <laughs> in our world, yes. In Toontown, maybe not so much. <laughs> Uh, the only Robert Zemeckis movies I have seen, I think I mentioned this before, but I'll do it again. Back to Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump, Castaway, Polar Express, The Walk, Christmas Carol, Pinocchio, the live action version with Tom Hanks. Well, my childhood was Mickey Mouse and Friends cartoons, Looney Tunes, Scooby-Doo, Flintstones, and yeah, mostly Disney Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. Like, yep, yeah, you grew up like us, or at least like me. <laughs> the movies that terrified me growing up were Fox and the Hounds, An American yep. Tale, Land mm -hmm. Before Time, mm -hmm. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, The Black Cauldron, but I love it, Nightmare Before Christmas, Part of the Never Ending Story. We all know which part you're referring part you're to. Uh -huh. Bambi, and of course, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yes, those all have. Bits yep, that that's, are quite scary. I, that's kind of the uh, well, the traumatizing welcome basket. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> welcome, child, to movies. Watch <laughs> these. Yeah. Uh, they're cartoons. You'll love them. Yes. One Disney movie that friends said scared them when they were younger was Alice in Wonderland, but I love it. I don't see why it's scary. I don't know. Maybe if you're scared about having your head chopped off by the queen yeah. of hearts maybe uh though no, there was the one scene it's a drugs that's was... what it is <laughs> well the one thing that freaked me out in pinocchio was with the with the with the boys when they turning into donkeys into asses oh yes. gosh that yeah that traumatized me i'm like mm, nope okay yeah. not yeah. doing that nope, 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 yeah nope, nope, nope. i mean i don't see the yeah definitely that <laughs> yeah. I could kind of see maybe the Queen of Hearts being kind of scary to the kids. Yeah. Maybe if they, they know someone that's like loud and yells like that <laughs> has a temper. <laughs> so Yeah. I, I remember like Alice being being like lost in the forest. Mm. It kinda of, was kind of scary, but then like she like sits down, cries and sings a song and everyone and all the little creatures come out and feel sorry for her. So I'm like, that's mm. okay. Mm -hmm. But uh but, yeah. 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 So, um, so she finished up. Says plus since this year is both Disney and Warner Brothers celebrating 100 years. This move, this movie is perfect to celebrate both. That was not our intention. That's just one of those happy accidents that happens when you're podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then we've got some feedback from. Aaron, his subject line said a laugh can be a very powerful thing why sometimes in life it's the only weapon we have and that is so true sometimes I have to laugh otherwise I'll cry mm -hmm. says hello five hosts I learned that I share one big thing in common with Chrissy and that is the terror instilled upon me by the monstrosity known as E.T. Solidarity, man. Solidarity. <laughs> when I was a kid, my family watched it, and that wrinkly neck stretching Reese's Pieces munching blob gave me <laughs> that is the most vivid description of ET I've ever heard in my life. Perfect. Yes. Spot on. Yep. Wrinkly much. neck stretching Reese's Pieces munching blob. 
Yep. I'm going to use that Is as an it? insult for somebody sometime. <sighs> but now, the funny thing is, I can't remember if I mentioned this or not, but I did get a an E.T. plushie for Christmas later that year. Mm-hmm. And he's like kind of more of a pinkish color, so he's not like that wrinkly whatever. And he's cute as hell. I uh-huh. still have him, and I loved him. I, 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 I love. He was my favorite. I could not stand the movie, but I'm like, you're cute in plushy form. Mm-hmm. And so I, I could, I could handle the plushy, the movie version. Although I, I do have to admit, because I, I, I watched a, a YouTube video where someone was like watching ET for the first time and reacting to it, and I was like, I can watch. I can do this. The, the scene where he, where he, you know, is up in the kitchen and finds the beer and gets drunk and mm-hmm. is cutting between the classroom. I'm like, okay, I remember that being funny. Yeah. But all the other stuff, like, and you know, they just showed, like, clips of, as the guy's reacting to it. I'm like, yeah, I remember being traumatized by that part and that part and that part. That one, too. But him, him, yeah. Him, him getting drunk and running into things and, and, and Elliot is at school feeling the effects of it is, is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the, and the, the scene where he's in the, in with the stuffed animals and the mom opens the closet and he's hiding in there. That gave me nightmares. Ah! So I, I'm here <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's somebody else because I always thought I was kind of a wuss. Like, no, no, I know this is supposed to be a heartwarming, cute movie, but you made it look so scary, Spielberg. What the hell? Well, and it didn't help matters any too when the the feds come crashing through the, when Elliot and E.T. are sick. I mean, in the face, like crashing their, through the windows their... like zombies. I know. Like, yeah! I know. And like, I'm like, I realize, I'm like, you're coming into someone's house like that. Like, dude. Yeah. This is, not... this is messed up. <laughs> you could knock. Use the front door. Don't go through that window. Maybe, maybe, maybe call, and then the poor mother is like, she has no idea any of this has been going on in her house. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, jeez. Anyway, this movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I just had to... Well, you know, there's a YouTube channel it. called Cinema Therapy, but uh, this is not the type of therapy that... Uh, I think I maybe discovered I should write... that... Maybe I should write to them anyway and be like, you should an episode on E.T., please. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I actually friends. discovered them over the weekend. I, it, was like, yeah. it, was, it was recommended to me. It was uh, yeah. one about why Frollo is it from Hunchback and Notre Dame is a terrible person. I'm like, mm-hmm. you don't have to tell me on this, but I want to hear a therapist take on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was a good episode. Then, yeah. of the, All right, of the Eric, YouTube, yeah. Aaron continues. Continue. Okay. Of course, I couldn't tell that to people because I would get laughed at for being scared of a children's movie. It took me almost 20 years before I decided it was time to face my fears. And surprisingly, I thought the movie was actually pretty good. It's not one I rushed to rewatch, but it's no longer a deep fear of mine. <laughs> I, I, I still, I still get, get the jibbles from it. I, I mean, I haven't watched it all the way through in, in a long time, but some clips, I'm just kind of like, ugh. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the the bits where where drunk ET is wandering around the kitchen and not falling, running into things, that is funny. Yep. Now for Roger Rabbit. When I was younger, my sister got it from our library and we watched it. I thought it was good, but not the slapstick humor I was expecting. When my sister was surprised by how much darker it was than she remembered, 
It wasn't until I was much older and I saw it again, I appreciated everything about it much more. For Zemeckis to perfectly blend animation and live action as well as he did back then, that alone will make the movie stand the test of time. When hearing who else was all considered for the role of Eddie Valiant, I just have a hard time picturing the other actors. What made Bob Hoskins so perfect is that he played the character straight, letting the script itself and his co-stars provide the humor. I feel like so, I feel like someone like Bill Murray or Eddie Murphy would try and insert extra humor that would take away from the character. It's like Michael Caine in Muppet Christmas Carol. A serious actor surrounded by goofiness is a formula for success. Absolutely. Take care, Aaron. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and it and it made it made his scene at the end where he does have to kind of goof off to distract to, to distract the weasels even more impactful. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, it his he's got to be the straight laced detective surrounded by all the goofiness. And it is maybe that's why I like Christmas uh, Muppet Christmas Carol so much because mm-hmm. you got just the serious character and Muppets. Like, mm-hmm. Come on, well, I think it's like a. a, a you know, especially that scene with Eddie, you know, trying to get the weasels to laugh themselves to death. The thing is, like, if that if they'd switch it, that was Roger. I don't think the weasels would have laughed. They wouldn't because have fallen it's, for it. It's what they no. expect from someone like Roger. For mm-hmm. Eddie to be doing it, it's so absurd that yes. you can't help but laugh. Right, it catches them off yep. guard. Mm-hmm. So, thank you, Aaron and Shalane, for your feedback as always. So, all right, bust out those record players, kids, or your Spotify playlist, whatever works. Mm -hmm. So, we are going to discuss not one, but two Queen albums that really they could have just released this as one big like double album, and yes. And it would have been perfectly fine if they hadn't had the issues recording behind the scenes. Yeah. But this was Queen's first and second album, so they didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. They were learning. Who who releases a double album as their debut release? True. I mean, nowadays, 50 years later, we would have been like, well, it's Queen that tracks. But at the time, it would have been unheard of. Right. And they were, you know, still figuring things out, still learning mm-hmm. the ropes, and still figuring. But not, not no. I don't want to say not musically because both of these, it's like, you know, usually when you hear of an artist like debut albums, like, and you go back and listen to it, like, okay, yeah, this is fine. I can see where some of your later things will come from, but you know, it's it's your first, it's your first go. Mm-hmm. You, know, it, you don't, nobody expects much from you. Oh my gosh! Queen hit the ground running. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it it is it's like you if you didn't know any better you could be like yeah this was like released in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. This is later in the career. I mean it's Queen just like they knew what their sound was from the very start. It was Mm -hmm. just a matter of (laughs) taking what they had been doing in live performances for two years up to the point where they finally got. A record deal yeah they'd already been performing live for two years and they knew what sounded good and they knew what they liked and it was finding producers and yes. uh technicians that yeah. could replicate that in a recording 
Yeah, and would try to tell so. them, you don't know what you're talking about when Queen, mm -hmm. in fact, did know what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although I, I will, I will say this. It's like, I mean, Queen, like they have their sound, but then also through the years they experiment with a bunch of different things. I, I think it, first time I heard this, I think it kind of surprised me just how metal some of their tracks are on on the first Queen album. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. It, it's like I kind of did this. This is this, mm -hmm. is, this is great. Like, and, and you know, and they're still doing a bunch of different uh, different things that don't seem like they go together, but they kind of do. Just mm -hmm. like you listen to it. Now remember, kids, back in the day, music came all together on a record and later eight tracks and cassette. So you uh -huh. listen to the whole thing. Yep. All at once. There was no none of this pick and choose what your favorite song is. So an album was a complete experience. Kind of like mm -hmm. if you go to a concert and you have the complete show. So and you know the and the those, thing is yeah. yeah, this that's what this kind of feels like and and, a, and yeah. that's what they kind of intended with the tracks in the the sequence that they are in. Mm -hmm. Because that last track on the first queen album the seven seas of rye as i like to call it the 75 seconds of rye yes um, right <laughs> that's the it, it feels like <laughs> it feels like going into intermission yes and then you pick up a queen two with the prelude uh-huh another instrumental and then, you... and then you go it's like it, you know it's not considered a concept album because from beginning to end it's not one cohesive Mm-hmm. But it's also, and that's why I wanted to put these two albums together, is because there's themes that run across both of them. You know, there's yep. a song about brothers and sisters, or, mm -hmm. or sons and daughters, right. on the first one, and then father of son. And then you've got songs yep. about kings on and the then, first one and songs about queens on the second one and fairies yeah, yeah. on both of them so yeah. it's like well, yeah and what, it, what's what's fun it, about yeah. this one you know going back to like my comment about it being metal is that there is a, a subgenre of metal which is like you know sword and sorcery metal and i cannot remember like when it really became a big thing but like there's there's metal albums based on like lord of the rings and stuff like that well Freddie mercury well, and, was actually yeah, working on a story i, I yeah. think that's yeah, I think that's partially why they were, you know, it's yeah. like that guy from Rolling Stone was uh -huh. referring them to like Led Zeppelin because yeah. Led Zeppelin is another band that has references to, you know, things in literature. You know, they they mm -hmm. literally name drop Mordor and Gollum <laughs> and Gollum, yeah. you well, know, well, and, Fre and Freddie Mercury for all his talents was actually working on a fantasy story i think mm -hmm. with his sister or is it something they've been doing all, like, sister. all their lives yeah, yeah. and he was trying to put together and some of these songs like obviously you know great king rat ogre battle um march of the black queen the white queen all you know the the, the fairy which is it called fairy fellers Stroke, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Master stroke, yeah, or something like the that. Fairy like Feller's all... Master Stroke. Yeah. Stroke, yeah. Yes, there we that go. one. So all of those are like, yeah, this, this, this these are songs that, that are from his, his, his fantasy story because of course Freddie Mercury is working on a work of, you know, a, a fantasy 
novel. I have no idea if it was ever published. I would love to read it. If it Same here. And, and just, I mean, it doesn't dang, surprise man. me at all that he would be doing that. Nope. Mm -hmm. And I just love how, how like the band is just like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put that in there. Mm -hmm. We're, we're, you know, we're, and they all just were, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the producers are like, no, you can't do this. And they're like, watch us. Yes. <laughs> Hold our adult beverages, please. <laughs> right? Like, hold on to your butts. Um, so, especially because yeah, it's, it's like Seven Seas of Rye is supposed to be um, like a big hit for them. But honestly, I've never heard of it on the radio. Well, probably and I, and I don't written. Yeah. It, it took them a while. It took them a while to come over here. Um, another one, like, like, yeah, another one bites the dust was a was a big hit here in the, mm -hmm. in the states. But back in the UK, they were like, phew, they were they, people. It was it was nuts. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, but it, it, I mean, they, it it took them a while to 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 get big. Yeah. Well, and, and from and what I understand, Queen Two is actually considered like not that well known it's kind of a sleeper <laughs> album yeah yeah okay yeah yeah i have like all of queen sitting here on my on my iphone and i kind of listen to mm -hmm. you know like what am i in the mood for yeah mm -hmm. and also it's like i just have a make a playlist on spotify it's <laughs> the entire queen catalog yep mm -hmm. well and I, I will say this so when alex was a baby like tiny baby, we we realized that he we would listen to Queen and he would fall asleep to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just that's enough. I don't know. That. Yeah, and I don't I don't know what it was. He's not really that into it anymore, which makes me a little sad. But White Queen, as it began, was one of the songs in the in his playlist rotation that would help him fall asleep. And Aww. that one's on Queen too. And I'm like, oh, I love this song. It's mm -hmm. just so peaceful. It makes me think mm -hmm. of like you know rocking him to sleep and everything like that so i'm like oh this one this one is, is special but mm. not that i didn't know it before but it was just that one like yeah it's just very sweet to, in, in my mind i don't think the lyrics are particularly, are, are, are particularly sweet but they're very soothing mm -hmm. for for the little guy so mm -hmm. anyway but yeah i just just listen to queen man mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't there. I don't know what what was a hit and what wasn't. What was yeah. What was, <laughs> wasn't on the radio. I'm like, I'm just listening. These are my guys. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had the yeah the band that we know as Queen had been performing mm -hmm. together uh, since 1970, middle of 1970. Uh, they've been doing clubs, um, college shows, that sort of thing. Um, when they were asked to test out uh, the equipment at a new recording studio. So they got to be guinea pigs. Hey, um, hey. So they walked away with a demo tape of five songs. Yeah. Well, Keep Yourself Alive, The Night mm -hmm. Comes Down, Great King Rat, Jesus, and Liar. So they sent the demo out to various labels and only received one offer. Which they declined because it was lowballed. Mm -hmm. Ah, um, 
And also, it happened to be the label that uh, a group you may have heard of called Genesis <laughs> was on, and Queen was afraid that they'd be second fiddle to Genesis. <laughs> so, Don't blame them. Yeah. Understandable. Good call. Yeah. Good call. Granted, Genesis didn't last, but... No. Or that incarnation oh. of Genesis didn't last. Yeah, or at least that incarnation <laughs> of Genesis didn't last. You know, a couple of those guys went on to have decent solo careers. You may have, mm -hmm. you may have heard of them in the eighties. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, if record them. producers could have crystal balls and know who yeah. and who to, yes. not. Well, yeah, but also the thing is, it's like you know, would you've gotten the same product out of the band if those producers that turned them down? Right, had those crystal balls. It's like, would you still have the same outcome? Maybe not. That is that is true. And like sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, and this is kind of cliche, but it is true. Is that sometimes, um, you know, getting rejected actually makes it makes for better art, better, better yeah. music, better writing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's 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 cliche and whatever, but you gotta you gotta know struggle to know success. Make yourself better. Yeah, that mm -hmm. one. But it is very true. Yeah. Um, so it just so happened that there were a couple producers that visited that studio while Queen was there and they liked what they, they saw. So they recommended them to uh Trident Studios and uh which was a very popular and prolific studio. So Queen was only able to use the studio during downtime. So, like, late evenings. <laughs> so, they were free to use whatever they wanted, but they had to be willing to, like, record in the middle of the night. When well, you do everyone what you was gotta already... do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, but, uh, yeah, so that's how they ended up, and, and the Trident agreed to do all their managing, recording, and publishing while they found themselves a, a proper record deal. So that's what uh, that's how they got started <laughs> with their first album. So they finally uh, got that straightened out and recorded and released their first album, just called Queen. So it's yeah, work. it's it, it it this one has been described as hard rock, progressive rock, and heavy metal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. And of course, um, uh, most of the songs are either written by Freddie or Brian May, which would be the case for a lot of Queen, actually. Yep. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean eventually the other two later. would yeah, yeah, eventually the other two would try their hand at songwriting, but Freddie and Brian were they were yeah. they, they were it. Yeah. For, yeah. For John John and Roger were just like, We're just here. Yeah, we're here. Hey. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Tell I mean, us what to play. We got John <laughs> just because they're like, We need a bassist. Yeah. It's like, we play bass. Okay, come here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're in our band now. Uh, just tell me when to come in. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Although Roger does sing on this one, I, I, I mm -hmm. yes, I yes, noted. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm kind of um, like, I know, I know he's older now, and his voice is a little more gravelly, but it it does, it's it's the same. It's Roger. It, it's distinctive. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, if you don't know why that joke in Weird Al Yankovic story is funny that's why so <laughs> anyway uh so they're the first track and one of their first uh singles we release is keep yourself alive mm-hmm. um which, which is, is one of those yeah. which is one of those songs that they had been singing in shows um and really enjoyed it and when they go went to try and record it they just could not quite get the same feel uh <laughs> so yeah yeah i i like their demo why. their demo version is their favorite version and then when they go went to do a proper recording for the album they did just like they could not quite get the the same magic as as they 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 had in the original version and the live version that they would perform so um but yeah uh (laughs) fred um freddie said that the song was a very good way of telling people what queen was about in those days (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-huh i mean really that's just life in general try and keep yourself alive (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> Belladonna cases or no? <laughs> yep. Um. So. Um. But it was a, it was a, they did release it as a as a single. Um. And and did pretty well. So. Eventually. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was actually ignored <laughs> upon its initial release, but then it got re-released in the u.s in 75 and gained a little more traction then so which i don't know why well i'll personally i don't know why supposedly some people had issue with the, the the fact that the guitar intro takes too long before you actually get to the meat of the song like oh okay, my goodness whatever Oh jeepers, guys! Just, just, just you wait. Just yeah. you wait. Mm-hmm. There's a six-minute song in your future that you are just gonna love. Yeah. Yep. Actually, there's a six-minute song that we're gonna talk about. <laughs> True. That's yep. their second longest compared to that other song. Mm-hmm. I feel. <laughs> so. yep. Um, and then doing we'll all there. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing this, all right, which I, was, I love the harmonies on that one. Mm-hmm. Which was written by Brian May and actually mm-hmm. Tim Staffel while they were still in yes. Smile, which was the band before mm-hmm. Queen was formed. So, but it's one of the few songs that features Brian on piano because live Freddie plays the piano. So, um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a it's a good song. I like it. So, mm-hmm. um, Great King Rat, which is <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have like your Queen songs that you expect to uh-huh. hear like concert, and then you get uh-huh. stuff like Great King Rat, and you're just like, 
yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. Like, they probably would never perform that one in concert. I mean, it's almost like Freddie Mercury, Mad no. Mother Goose, and yeah, no, never. some of yeah. these, some of these were never played alive just because you could not replicate yeah. those sounds yeah. in in. Yeah. In, in live, know, yeah. a live performance yeah. there's a reason but, that the beatles stopped performing touring after a while because the stuff they were doing in the studio you just couldn't replicate then mm-hmm. you can now right really easily with computers and stuff but back then mm-hmm. you know you can't do you couldn't do some of the effects and and stuff like that so yeah but this one you, you pop it in and then you just throw the horns and start head banging yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, if it is just that metal. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, we'll leave it up to you to interpret whether uh, King Rat is a literal rat or if they mean that in like a you dirty rat type <laughs> of. Uh, you killed my brother, you dirty rat. Yeah, type of uh, moniker. <laughs> so... Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how many rats die of syphilis. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> but, or, um, or maybe this is a nod to that certain record producer that gets his own song dedicated to him later on. Who knows? Maybe I don't know. That is entirely. Like I said, we'll let you, we'll let you self-interpret whether a rat is literal or not. <laughs> so. That is up to the listener. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure is, you know, Freddie was still with us. He'd be like, absolutely. That's kind of the point. Uh, <laughs> Circle gets uh, the square. <laughs> yes. Um, and then our first uh, reference to the land of Rye in My Fairy King, um, which, yeah, was a fantasy world he helped create with his younger sister. Um, and um well it is uh something that he helped made up he is influenced by um literature and art there are some some references to the uh the pied piper of hamlin um which is a, a poem that i think i don't know how many of us actually know the poem but i think most of us have heard the story yes uh, of the pied piper who goes into town and plays his little pipe and rids the town of all the vermin in this Uh case literally (laughs) so um so yeah um but a lot of the editing and overdubbing techniques that were used in this we will hear again in bohemian rhapsody so um and this is also has a, it also has a reference to Freddie's name change, where yep. he uh, took the stage name Freddie Mercury as opposed to his actual given name Freddie Bolsara. Yeah. Which you listen to that lyric and you're kind of like, if you don't know, you're like, what came first, the lyric or or the moniker? And I was like, it was the lyric because the lyric, yeah. Yeah, it it actually does say Freddie does say that 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 was that lyric is in reference to his own mom, mm-hmm. so it makes sense. And that is all of side one, and then side two starts with uh, yes, <laughs> one of my favorites. 
<laughs> another one originally of my titled lover uh <laughs> which is you know poeticness yeah in some way so um uh do 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 this is it's one of three queen tracks that feature a Hammond organ. The other two, now I'm here and under pressure. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit of trivia you can stick in your pocket. Um, this song, while the song itself may be not you know the most notable or memorable or whatever, in um. Queen Lore is um, the song that how do I want to put this uh, air quote helped the band decide how they would divvy out songwriting credits. Hmm. Interesting. Because um, Brian brought it up one day. Um, you know, as they're as they're working on all these songs, and uh, Freddie decided that the lyricist, um, or the individual who originates the song, should be credited as, at its writer, despite what other band members may contribute, essentially. So, which that's what they decided to do until the miracle. <laughs> Over a decade later, so. Yep. Um. So. It's a. I mean, it's um. You know, it's a. It's a. It's an interesting song. To, and again, it's one of those. It's like, how do you want to interpret these lyrics? Uh-huh. You know, because you, 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 it sounds like you have this guy confessing to all of these things he's done. He's like, you know, I've raised my hand to somebody i've you know i've stolen i've cheated i've done all these things and then you have this chorus it's just like liar like what he didn't do it right (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) or is it really you're a liar and that's just like the worst thing you could do right um and then uh the night comes down uh written by brian may um, which has um several of the themes you, that you kind of hear a lot from Brian's uh writing, coming of age, nostalgia over the loss of childhood, difficulties of being an adult. Um, because he wrote this not long uh after Queen formed, so he's coming off the breakup with Smile. Um. So I'm sure that maybe had some some influence as well. Um, so, um, and Don Brian May's ever said outright, but some people think there's a reference to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Because <laughs> uh, there's a the lyric "Lucy was high and so was I." dazzling holding the world inside so which brian is a is a confessed beatles fan but he's never outright said that that was a direct reference to lucia but i 
I wouldn't sure. fault him if it was so. <laughs> nope. Um, and then Roger Taylor, this <laughs> modern times rock and roll. Yep. <laughs> it is. It's it's just a yep. very much uh just a you know rocking song, just about yep. rock and roll and how awesome rock and roll is. Um, but yeah, Roger Taylor wrote and sang that one. So on the album, in concert, mm -hmm. Freddie sang it, of course. <laughs> um, and then Son and Daughter, written by Brian May. Uh, this was the B-side to Keep Yourself Alive. Um, it was played at the very first concert under the name of Queen in 1970. Um, and was a regular part of their live concerts for almost a decade. So, um, and then uh, Jesus, which just by the name of yep. the song, yeah, you can probably it's, guess it's, what the subject matter is. is. Yes, <laughs> it's a pretty straightforward, you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. You know, sometimes they, they try to tackle religious stuff and they try to get cute with it and all of it. They're like, nah, this is just, this is this, this basically a story from the Bible, which is mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. Like, hey, there's this guy, his name Jesus. Yep. yep. We're all going down to see him. I wonder if it's their version of the telling of Palm Sunday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that, very, that could very well be it, listening to it. And, and it's just, it's just interesting because, uh, you know, Freddie was a what is this? Parsi Zoroastrian. I can say this. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, he still is like, I'm gonna write this song about yep. a religious figure that maybe I'm not, uh, you know, a believer of. But hey, mm -hmm. this will this will resonate with people. So there you yeah. go. Well, I mean, at the very least, you could be, you know, if you wanted to, you could be like, well. Even if he wasn't a believer, the Bible is a literary yeah. work, and right. if anything else, Freddie was influenced by literature, and this just happens this to be true. a book that uh -huh. gave him a song idea. So it's just, uh, like I said, people try to get cute with certain subjects. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some people try and to I mean, read I... read way into stuff. Yeah. Like, yes. I don't know what you're reading, but I ain't the same thing yeah. as the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's a good song. I like it. Yeah. It's solid. Yeah. Um, and then finishing up is Seven Seas Awry, or is like I said, I'll call it the 75 seconds awry because it's one minute and yeah. 15 seconds long. And just yeah. an instrumental. Because <laughs> yep. that's all Freddie had written up to that point. Yep, and they were going to in the next album use the rest of the song as the intro. It didn't work out that way, but it still feels like a bridge of yeah, sorts yeah. between the two albums. Like you said, Rachel, this is very much a part one, part two, mm -hmm. yep. which is probably why it's they're it's Queen and Queen two, mm -hmm. not just because it's the second one. There there are many layers to this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. yeah, Queen. So that's 
And it did, it did, uh, like I said, it did okay. You know, uh, the, um, the, uh, you know, people like the, the guy in Rolling Stone and other press mm-hmm. people are like, yeah, this is, this is pretty good for a debut album. So, yep. um, so yeah, it, uh, not bad for a, uh, first time out album. Yeah. Um, but then, not even a year later, because it was released July of seventy three, and then March of seventy four, they yeah. released Queen Two because they were actively writing even while fussing over trying to get the first album done. They were yeah. like, "We're just ready to move on to the next one." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the out? album cover. The album cover. Iconic. Kind of, yeah, it kind of became the, 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 you know, they, they have the queen coat of arms, which comes later, but then this, mm-hmm. this kind of is, I don't want to say the logo of it, but, uh, of the band, but it's, it's, it's imagery logo. that, yeah. Yeah. From, it's, it's associated with them from, uh, it, it, you'll see it again throughout their yes. careers. Yeah. Maybe in a, in a, you know, a Maybe video, video for a song two. called Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah. And and reuse later for um oh crap, what's that? I just totally blanked on the other on the other song that came And it's also been one, paired one quite a lot quite yeah. a lot too. Yeah. So anytime you get anytime you get multiple people and in black and white and <laughs> they're lit that way you're just all like oh yeah i see what they're doing which that in itself was influenced by an image of marlene dietrich uh-huh. so um from the uh 1930s so um so there you go yeah yeah but yeah that I, that iconic queen black background lit faces um became yeah, and that's what they wanted they wanted something striking mm-hmm. that would get people's attention because the cover art for the first one is freddie on stage <laughs> pretty much yeah so you know it's like okay it's a guy who's singing okay this is an album with music on it great that yeah. doesn't really tell you a whole lot but this is i mean that image is striking so yes. it's very and uh-huh. also also hair yes lots yes of, lots of hair yeah it was uh-huh. the 70s guys it was uh, I, yeah you know er, early on and i saw that and i'm like okay i know brian because he's got the really curly hair and then i'm like hey john or roger which one are you I figured it out, obviously, but it's just like yeah. So, so anyway, yeah. so there's the cover, and then dive into the so so it had um so instead of side A and side B, which you know mm-hmm. the term B side comes from children, but mm-hmm. this one was side white and side black. Mm-hmm. It, I'm not sure why exactly, other than they just wanted it something different. Because it's Queen, and that's what you did. Yeah. Um, well, um, yeah, <laughs> that's that's a big chunk of it. Because that's why is Queen doing anything? Because it's it's. 
Uh, and again, this is one of those where some people have tried to label us a concept album, but it's not really because the theme is very loose. Um, but according to Freddie in a interview in 1976, he said it just evolved to where there was a batch of songs that be considered aggressive or a black side, and then there was a smoother side, the wet side. So it just is kind of like these songs sound like this, and these yeah. songs sound like that. And yeah. It's not because you know, and, yeah, and they even did people. You think you think A yeah. side? Oh, these are better, and B sides are. Eh. So let's not assign value to it. Let's just. I know. I mean, now I'm I'm interpreting because mm-hmm. that's what we do. Um, after I giggled at people who do that, um, <laughs> but it's just. Okay, hey, how are you feeling? Smooth or aggressive? Pick one. Mm-hmm. And we just do colors. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. And they even coordinated the uh, the um, labeling, the, the yep. literal labels <laughs> mm-hmm. on the record so that that iconic queen image, there is a white version of it. So instead of them being uh, in with a black background, it's them with a white background. So... They were nothing if not clever. Yeah. And cohesive. And cohesive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, that being said, it is um, the white side, which is the first side. Four of the five songs were composed by Brian May. <laughs> Freddie sings two of them. Brian sings one. Roger Taylor sings on one. Um, and um freddie composed and sang all six songs on the other side on the black side so uh so side white procession which is instrumental Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be a funeral march essentially uh it's an interesting way to begin to begin your brand new album but okay Mm -hmm. yep so but again, like I said, you get the short inversion of Seven Seas Awry, and then you get to this, and you know, if back in the day, kids, when you had listened to records, when Queen, the first album would be done, the time it would take you to take it off the record player, put it back in its sleeve, so that it stays protected and safely put mm-hmm. it away, and then get Queen 2 out, Put it on the record player and get it going. It's almost like a little intermission. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've ever been to, at least with musicals, you know, usually going in intermission, it's a musical number. And when they come back, it picks up with more music. So in a way, it's like you're headed into the second half of this show, of this yep. story that's, you know, this very loose story that's being told to you. It's almost like a, you can almost take the stuff that, matches together in little clumps and it's it's almost like an anthology so it's not one big cohesive story but there's some stories that kind of go together so um so yeah you got the procession and your b plot and your b plot yeah Yeah, so it's like you got your procession lets you know the second half of the the show is is starting so you know get settled in your seat and be be prepared to to be entertained um and then it goes into father to son 
which you know is a it doesn't quite not the same feel but the idea of family communicating with each other um you know is uh, a nice other side of the coin i guess to son and daughter so now you got father father to son it's a a father speaking to his his son um so but this is, i think this one's more heavy than son mm -hmm. and daughter so um and then you've got white queen yes. as it began alex's nighttime song <laughs> yes and i still love it it's still so pretty and still so sweet and i don't know it's like i i also have i i you know throughout the years i like make playlists like that have to do with you know a, a story i'm reading or you know kind of whatever fandom i'm currently into or or whatever and i just want some music just to kind of go along with it and i've used this one several times and but yeah alex when he was a baby he really got you know that was one that he would just listen to and rock him to sleep and we play it on a loop or you know with some other queen music and that's that one i just i just associate it with rocking my little boy to sleep now with mm -hmm. it's good yeah i mean this is what it is I tried to get him to listen to Queen one other time. He's like, no, I want something else. And it's like, oh, come on. Mm -hmm. like, Give you it time, it'll probably come back into the cycle. It'll come back, I'm sure. I'm sure. As as we as we introduce more and more, give, expand his, his, his palette and his musical palette. Yes. Oh, get there. But yeah. So that, that, that's my thing. But it's, it, it is just a, it's a fun song. It's, it's a pretty song. And I love it. And this is this is it's another Brian May uh, song, um, but also also influenced at least somewhat by literature. Um, yes, the the White Goddess by Robert Graves, um, and also uh, a girl that he had a a bit of a, a crush on in in school. <laughs> he thought was the perfect woman. <laughs> the girl in his biology class um <laughs> that um they, they were never together romantically but apparently they became friends and were friends for a very very long time hey so. you know if you were if you made that much of an impact to to inspire brian may to write a song mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you did, um, you did something right yeah yeah and if you think, and I thought this when I was listening to it, if you think you hear a sitar in here, your ears are deceiving you because it's not an actual sitar. It's nope. an acoustic guitar that's been modified. Mm-hmm. Brian, so, jiggery pokery. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. they replaced the bridge um, and uh, put some fret wire. Fret wire. Yeah. Uh, pay, or put a piece of wire on the fret so it was between it and the strings. Um, so yeah, it created a, a bit of a buzzing sound, kind of like a sitar. So I was like, oh, because I was listening to it, I was like, oh, cool, like a sitar. And I'm like, nope, not actually, yeah, but... just a, a modified acoustic. 
you, you gotta say this for Queen. They went to great lengths to get the sound that they want. That they wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, without synthesizers, at least at this point in the in the career. <laughs> like, nope, we're like we'll 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 bang two trash can lids together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, wire up the guitar to sound like something else. We will use British coinage as our guitar picks mm-hmm. to help create that certain sound. Mm-hmm. You know, raid the junk drawer. Let's see what we got. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The the good kitchen sink method. Yep. Exactly. Hey, whatever works. Uh-huh. Yep. And we we love them for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it has a very unique, very unique sound. Very soft and soothing, and yeah, it's definitely got that whole fantasy, um, mytho- mythological vibe to it. Although I mm-hmm. love that it was inspired by a uh, by a girl in a Ryan May's biology class. That's just that that just takes the cake. Because yeah. <laughs> it's not just going to be a girl in any classes. Brian May, we're talking about. It's going to be a science class. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yep. That is true. That is the true. man has a PhD for a reason. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we've got someday one day, mm-hmm. uh, which is a another May uh, song. Yeah. It's actually the first Queen song to feature Brian on lead vocals. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the last song on the white side the loser in the end which is roger taylor's contribution yep. he wrote and sings lead so um and apparently the original handwritten lyrics still exist i wish i knew more of the story unfortunately there is not a reference to like an article or book or anything in the wikipedia entry for me to f- see what kind of ha- almost happened they were almost shredded <sighs> in 2004 Ooh. oh dear i don't know what the goodness. story is behind that if somebody knows where i can fa- read something about more about how that almost happened please let us know because i need to know more about how this almost <laughs> happened thankfully yeah. they didn't and they are part they are now carefully stored in the queen archive and are actually the oldest example of handwritten lyrics in the queen archive if they've been destroyed that would not be the case uh (laughs) well whatever secretary or somebody who was shredding papers and noticed that and uh and stopped before it was shredded yay for you yes yeah you could have showed the person who was posted do the binning of stuff for BBC could have stopped something from going into the fire. Mm-hmm. That too. TV prosperity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, there are some things that are worth keeping, my friends. Mm-hmm. Yes. You would be surprised. Handwritten mm-hmm. Queen lyrics are definitely one of them. Even yeah. if it's a song that's not <laughs> as well known as yeah. No. No. Um, so I know we switch to the 
dark side. <laughs> side black. Come to the dark side. We have cookies and ogres. Yes. Um, yes. The ogres have cookies. Uh, yes. With starting off with ogre battle, which again, if you were curious of what this song is about, it literally tells you in the title. Mm -hmm. Jesus is about Jesus. Ogre battle, exactly what it sounds like. It is a battle of ogres. What it says on the tin. Yep. Yep. There is there's no false representation here. <laughs> you should what you see is what you get. Um <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, funnily I'm enough, certain. when they were performing live well before they actually recorded this album. <laughs> Why this? I don't know what version it sounded like live before they got into the studio. Because this is like, yeah. you want to talk about a song that tells a story where in the middle of it, you literally have like the sounds of like clashing weapons and screaming, which that's Freddie doing the screaming. Um <laughs> And sound effects try to sound like a giant battle. Like... It's it's awesome. I I yeah, imagine was... that many an author has put that on to get them in the mood to write a battle scene. Mm -hmm. I couldn't I couldn't tell you names. I don't know for sure, but I'm certain somebody somewhere, multiple somebody's probably has done this mm. because that's just what this 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 is. Yeah. And even after they recorded it, it was still a regular part of their set list up until a day of the races, which was 76. So they preferred this song for quite a long time. So I, it sounds like a fun one to, to, to do even live. Like, I'm, I mean, there's probably some stuff they couldn't do live, but, you know, it still sounds. I do have one of their live albums and they do it on that live album and. Yes, it sounds different, but still, it's it's it slaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and at one point it was con they it was considered for a single release. I don't know how well that would have mm. done on the air. <laughs> well, they had a they had another version with uh, that didn't have the intro or the sound effects that was going to be re potentially released as a single. I don't think it would have nearly as fun, though. Probably not. Like, what would have been the point releasing a song called Ogre Battle without the battle in the song? Yeah, that... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now I'm curious to... to I, I'm wondering how it would have worked, and I, I would love to hear it just to hear it. Just to be like, oh, that's what it was. But, yeah, I don't... Maybe it would have worked. Who knows? But first glance, maybe not. But who knows? We'll never know. Nope. We will not. Um, and then we have another very uh fantastical influenced song. The Fairy Feller's Master Stroke. Which is inspired by both a painting and the uh, companion poem that goes with it. So the painting is The Fairy Feller's Master Stroke by Richard Dodd. Um, and then there's a poem called Elimination of a Picture and its Subject called The Fairy Feller's Master Stroke. 
And that's where you, that's where Freddy would have got all the names of Queen mm-hmm. Mab and uh Oh, excuse me. Um and Wagner Will and all those others. So mm-hmm. I mean those um, were those were already figures in literature anyway, but mm-hmm. yeah, for the for the painting, you know. Yeah. So was... and a- apparently in some markets, if you bought the uh, album, it included a fold-out reproduction of the painting. Cool. Which, well, that's useful. Um, because... Yeah. Which, um, according to a post on his blog, supposedly by his recollection as best he can, um, did end a version of the album and the uh, copy of the, the of the painting ended up in the hands of a child, Neil Gaiman. Oh wow! So he has a, a blog post about it, uh, which I will have linked in the show notes. And then apparently he did a longer essay version of it for uh, some magazine that unfortunately you cannot read because it's behind a paywall. Um, but you can read Neil Gaiman's blog free, no problem. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah. apparently this I... appar- apparently this painting means something to Neil Gaiman. <laughs> well, it's interesting well. in his post. So... Yeah, in his post, he's all like. Yeah, I saw the copy in the album and it didn't really make an impact. Then I actually saw the real one in the museum and that's when it was like, you gotta see the actual. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, I believe you. I don't know if I'll ever get to go see that. So I will content myself with what I can see on the internet and try to like look really closely and, oh, I'm listening to the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this one was only performed a few times live. Um and actually they thought there were no live recordings of it until uh there's a version of it on live at the rainbow 74 mm-hmm. um, so um and then kind of the other end of this kind of story medley triple song sandwich um is nevermore because the th- the three songs flow like really mm-hmm. into each other as as kind of one big thing, um, so, um, yeah, the piano bit carries over through all three. So, um, but yeah, it's just a it's a ballad about heartbreak, um, and then that six minute song six plus mm-hmm. minute song this is the band's <laughs> second longest at six minutes and 34 seconds the march of the black queen mm-hmm. yep so if we had white queen for the white side of the album mm-hmm. there must needs be a black queen for the black side of the album mm. and he'd but actually again, been working on this one even before queen was formed <laughs> so uh, he he wanted to, he wanted to, he his uh in an interview uh he said later said that song took me ages to complete I wanted to give it everything to be self indulgent or whatever. <laughs> That's so, ready. Yeah, but it it is it's you can you can 
I mean, obviously, like the story it's telling is different. The sound is unique of its own. You're not going to mistake it for anything else, but you can hear the ideas of telling a story over the course of a song, but not have the song just be one style for the entire thing you go from some you know one style to another style to another style and you do different techniques with the mm-hmm. editing layering vocals and doing different things with the instruments and stuff is you know this is it's you can see the ideas that will later go into bohemian rhapsody mm-hmm. yeah and what so made, yes, this is, makes Bohemian Rhapsody one of the greatest songs of all time. So, yeah. yeah so this is this is definitely a precursor to that. This was yeah, Freddie yeah. different like, tempos, different time mm-hmm. signatures, different keys. So yeah, yeah. Because even Brian May, even Brian May said, "You've uh, as a precursor to Bohemian Rhapsody." He said, "You've got to bear in mind that we." already made my fairy king on the first album and we done the march of the black queen on the second album so we were well in tune with freddie's excursions into strange areas and that was something that we really enjoyed yeah i figure if they didn't enjoy it they wouldn't have done it right but luckily for for music they did enjoy it and we all and and we all benefit Mm mm-hmm yeah, and, and uh, according to uh, to uh, uh, Mr. Taylor, uh, apparently, with all of the layering and all the things that they were doing at one point, the tape that they were recording on went transparent. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing yeah. happened too with Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Yep. <laughs> they they yeah. literally wore the tape out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We they, are lucky they wore the we color off of the tape. Oh, yeah. The tape, yeah, the magnetic. We team. are lucky we got what we did. Yes, <laughs> that poor tape. It's like, oh, you, you, you brave little piece of whatever you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you are. You, you help, you help make music history. Thank you for holding up, mm-hmm. even to the very end. Oh man, yeah, they, they, yeah. Yeah, it's it's intense. Yeah, so and of 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 course this is never at least complete, and it's it's never been performed live as you hear it on the the album. It's too complicated. Um, they have done bits and pieces of it. Um, in medleys, Mm -hmm. um, they've used the opening piano piece as a way to go in transition into the Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> so um but yeah it's it's way too complicated for it to be performed as is um mm-hmm. then it probably could now. Mm-hmm. Um you'd be doing a lot of effects on a computer, but yeah you you potentially could yeah. do it. Potentially could do it now. So oh man. Um, Can you imagine Freddie Mercury with a computer? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> with the modern with, with a kid modern in a candy modern. store. Wow, oh, yeah, my God. Oh, yeah, my God. him and John Lennon. 
Yes. Yeah. I, I think somewhere <laughs> in heaven, someone has said, "Here, you two, go nuts." And mm-hmm. give them, you know, this is what they're using on Earth now. Yeah. And they're like, ah. The after the afterlife recording studio is hopping all of the time. Yeah. So, you talk so David Bowie get... into that mix. Who? Mm-hmm. Well, David. I mean, David was around long enough. He could be like, I've got actual experience with this. Let me show you a few things. <laughs> Here, boys. <laughs> yeah. So, so when 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 you get up to the pearly gates and Saint Peter is like, "Here, welcome to heaven," and you hear the dulcet tones of Freddie Mercury, you know, doing his thing with a with a with a whatever modern PC that they have when when you finally kick the bucket, you're just gonna nod and say, "Okay, yeah, that makes sense." Hmm. Point me in the direction of the music department, please. <laughs> it's like where, where's, where's the, where's the, 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 the Freddie Bowie and Lennon concert? I got, I gotta get tickets, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing on. is, is at one point Queen approached David Bowie to produce this album. Oh, you're kidding! He, he couldn't do it because he was in the middle of doing Diamond Dogs. Oh wow. Uh, so he was already occupied with one of his own albums. So, but yeah. <laughs> well, they got him later, so it's okay. Yep. 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 Um. So then the penultimate song, "Funny How Love Is." <laughs> it is kind of funny. <laughs> this is one of those just kind of happy lovey song you know type mm-hmm. songs that that freddie popped out every now and then you know it's like this one will make money here we go yeah maybe not anything uh groundbreaking but you know it's fun um although they did use the wall of sound technique i don't know why you'd necessarily use something like that for a song like this but yeah whatever yeah um, practice yeah um, another one that was never performed live, mostly because uh, the the high register that was required yeah. for Freddie would have been a bit too straining. Um, and then we get the proper completed version of Seven Seas of Rye. Yeah, yes. it's like we got yeah. the teaser in the last one, and now you get the full course. Mm-hmm. And again, this one, this one's great. I I do enjoy it. Maybe maybe not necessarily a headbanger, but just oh, it's 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 just it's fun, it's lovely. Yeah, I know I'm using that word a lot, but it just it just fits for this album, I think. Yeah. And again, it's it's like it's just one of those. Where 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 are those where are those fantasy stories? I want to read them. Yeah. (laughs) If they exist, I mean, no, because ding. You you and your brain, man. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, but yeah, it was uh added to the uh added as a closer for Queen 2. So, which it's not a whole lot longer actually <laughs> than the 75 seconds of Rye. It's less than <laughs> it's still less than 3 minutes long. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have lyric, you know. It has all the lyrics and stuff too, yeah. which the instrumental version obviously does not. Um, 
so but yeah the, and this was one that freddie had been working on for a long time as well he'd started this in the late 60s as a, a song and uh still didn't have it done when they finished the first album which is why we got the shortened version but by the time they get mm -hmm. to the second album he's like i got it here we Let's go the whole put thing that, put that on there yep cut print uh uh so yeah um and um it went over good uh, you know fairly well um it was mm -hmm. released as a, as a single um in the uk and japan um the b side of the uk version was see what a fool i've been um and then in japan the b side was a loser in the end um so um it certified silver in the uk so um it was performed live um they dropped it in 76 um and then they brought it back during the works tour in the 80s so yeah and the critics liked it uh one critic yep. called it a high energy rocker with led zeppelin overtones stating mm -hmm. that the group's extraordinary talents are perfectly displayed here in heavy metal fashion which you don't necessarily think of queen you think of heavy metal but you know that's kind of a thing with queen in general and we've discovered mm -hmm. from the albums that we have covered so far is really like you could put them under the rock umbrella that is very very broad Mm -hmm. but honestly they just wrote and recorded whatever the hell they wanted and it didn't matter what yes. much. if if it was cohesive in style or not when you can have something like bohemian rhapsody which is this mm -hmm. long epic opera story song with all these different styles all in one song and then have something you know that's kind of a, a cool rock song, mm -hmm. but ridiculous with I'm in love with my car. Right. Yep. And then Bicycle Race, um, you know, which is, all, you know, it's like you got all these different songs, but it's all you mm -hmm. listen to it and it doesn't matter. It For those of us that have listened to enough of, you know, of Queen, mm -hmm. it's like, no, it's Queen. Yep. So, so here's the dirty little secret, and this applies to anything that you try to categorize by genre. So music, books, movies, all that. Mm -hmm. Creative people are going to write what they're going to write. Mm -hmm. They're going to go whatever, yeah, whatever interests them, and if they're motivated enough, they're going to finish it and write it and put it out there. The only people that are obsessed with, with genre are people like libraries and bookstores who are like, crap. Where do I shelve this? Because <laughs> right. we have this in our head that out, you know, all the fantasy has to go with the fantasy, all the romance has to go with the romance, all of the heavy metal has to go with the heavy metal, all of the all of the the bubblegum pop has to go with the bubblegum pop, and creative people just don't think that way. Mm -hmm. But all of us who are like obsessed with organization and everything has to have a place. Yeah, trust me, this is this is an argument that, that librarians have had for, for years and years and years and will continue to have. Well, meanwhile, authors and musicians are stuff like, yeah, this, today's my bubblegum pop day. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, you know, 
that 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 that's how it is. And and Queen is one of those like and, and sometimes it works. And sometimes people are like, No, I thought you were this kind of thing. Now you're doing this other kind of thing. That's not right. But Queen is one of those that's like, it worked for them. And people enjoyed it. And I think by by and large, people just you know, they, they have their favorite genres, but then their then their bands will, will do different things. You're like, Okay, this is different. You either like it or you don't. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change the fact that your that your favorite band did that, and yeah, so it's just it's just funny when they're all like, "Where do we put this?" And it's like, well, it's a good thing rock is a big umbrella. Mm-hmm. Like you put oh, it in the section titled Queen. <laughs> yeah, yes. that is exactly it. They have their own little section, and that's mm-hmm. it. Or you put said copies in multiple spots. Yeah. Ah, uh, but see, then that kicks everybody. Then you guarantee people like, stumble across it, no matter where they go. Uh huh. True. But again, yes. You know, working at the library, people are very anal about where we put yeah, things. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. It's, it's yeah. not necessarily the patrons, because sometimes they're like, "Oh, I thought this would have been over here," and it's like, "No, it's actually over here." Like. Oh, okay, now it makes sense. But before they're like, I'm so lost. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why we, that we we create our own job security because we mm-hmm. hide stuff <laughs> in plain sight. Oh, it makes sense on a, on on some sort of weird scale, but mm-hmm. but music, yeah. We have this argument more more about books than anything. Music, we're just kind of like, hey, rock. That 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 works. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, but yeah, that's one of my favorite things about Queen is like, are you are you looking for heavy metal Queen? Are you looking for synth pop from the eighties? Are you looking for prog rock? Are you looking for, you know, Brian's old fashioned nineteen twenties? Yeah, mm-hmm. nineteen twenty stuff. Are you looking for innuendo, which is a class of its own? Mm-hmm. You know what? What? What are you in the mood for? And Queen probably has has something. Yep. So there you go. That's that's why we love them. At least that's yeah. why I love. Them. Mm-hmm. Also, Freddie Mercury is a treasure. We, yes. we were we were blessed to have him as long as we did. Yes. I mean, but anyway. Mm-hmm. So. Quite, quite the, quite the one-two punch for their first couple of outings, and uh, yep, and uh, they went on from there. And we've, we've talked about sheer heart attack, right? No, mm-hmm. we've not, not yet. Oh, we've not. Oh, okay. Maybe we talked about. Uh, anyway, no, we'll get we've there. Done the, we've done night at the night at the opera. Which okay, is which after has that, sheer heart, <laughs> yes. yeah, which has the song sheer heart attack. Sheer heart attack. Yes. I was yeah. Because, because you know, as far you know, on top of you know crossing genres and stuff, they also had an album which didn't have the song that it right. was supposed to be named after. Yeah, on the next one. Yeah, well, yeah. Keep well, sheer heart attack is on News of the World. Oh, News of the World. Yes, <laughs> which we have done. Yes, <laughs> I know we talked about it. Anyway, and we have done uh, hot space. Hot, hot yes. space. 
Wasn't that the first one we talked about? And I was like, we're starting with this one? No, I no. I think we did Night at the Opera first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Start with the one that's got Bohemian Rhapsody on it. Oh, okay. You can't, there's, the bar is set. You can't go any higher than that. So. Right. True. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you, I am looking forward to talking the rest of the Queen catalog down the line. Yes. <laughs> oh. oh, my heart. I mean, yeah. when we get, I think I've said this before, when we get to the miracle, I'm going to go. Because uh-huh. that one's my yep. favorite. I, mm-hmm. I love innuendo. Innuendo, you cannot, it, it's, it's like, that is the crown jewel. Mm-hmm. I I prefer mir- the miracle just because I do. It, it's yep. me, but I, yeah. I, I always have to preface this because people are like, no, innuendo was the best. I'm like, I agree with you totally. I just miracles just kind of my one of my like my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, so yes, we are excited to talk more Queen as we go along, and uh, we'll let you know as we as we do. So anyway, uh, anything else we want to pipe in about? Good stuff. Such good stuff. Good. Yep, it's good stuff, it. and now I'm like, I want to go binge listen again just because mm-hmm. happy. Yeah, yeah, happy. So anyway, if uh, any of our dear listeners want to uh, chime in with their thoughts on these two albums, if you have a favorite song or a story you've heard about the you know the, these songs and and whatnot, uh, you can send us some feedback. We also talk about anything else we we discuss during the news and and such. Um, our feedback email address is fiveishfangirls at gmail.com. You can also go to our website, which is the5ishfangirls.com, and that has links to all of our social media pages. You can leave comments and see what we're up to. Uh, look at the show notes. Like we said, we've got some links that uh, go along with the with our episode today. If you mm-hmm. want to check those out, you certainly can. And you can also find ways to support the podcast through Patreon and our merch shop. And that is always appreciated, as well as thank you for all of our listeners, for those who uh, comment and interact with us on social media. It's always appreciated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just thanks for thanks for coming on the ride with us. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll see you. We'll see you when we see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. With that, we shall sign off for this week. This is Chrissy saying goodnight from Salt Lake City. This is Holly from Wisconsin saying good evening. And this is Rachel in Indianapolis, Indiana. And somehow we managed to keep ourselves awake. Keep ourselves awake. (laughs) We were talking about Queen. I I can do that. I can do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Something, 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 cake. Yep. <laughs> the only like thing that. I can think of that reminds with cake with a wig. Cake. For listening to the Five Ish Fangirls. Please visit thefiveishfangirls.com for details on how to further support the show, along with information on our nonprofit, Fangirls Give Back. We love our Five Ish fam and appreciate all of your feedback, shares, and encouragement. 
Remember to keep letting your geek flag fly.